0: You are listening to episode 35 of the Happy Outdoor Families podcast, and today I interview Jenny Liebaum, who is the creator of Nature Play Lifestyle. Jenny is an educator who teaches fellow educators and parents how to incorporate nature into their teaching. This week is a really big week in our house because our oldest is going to school for the first time. We have been homeschooling her for the last 2 years and now she will be starting 2nd grade at our local school. We are all very excited but a little anxious too for this big change to our routine and our lifestyle. So education has been on my mind a lot and just hoping that she has teachers who see value in prioritizing time outside, even if they can't do that as much as we do that at home. I wanted to share this episode with Jenny now, as many are preparing for going back to school, and I hope that it helps educators and fellow parents to feel prepared to create intentional, purposeful time outside, even as a part of the school day. I hope this interview equips you to reflect on your own feelings about learning outside and to see how you can make that happen for the kids under your care, whether that's a classroom at a public school, down to your own kids at home. Listen in. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I'm your host, Emily Eisenbarger, and I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors. Each Monday, I will be bringing you a grown-up episode featuring conversations about all things outdoor play and adventure related. Every Wednesday, make sure you tune in for an episode just for the kids to listen to with their grown-ups, where I will bring you a simple play invitation to get you started with some fun, open-ended outdoor play. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Jenny Leibom is a nature play advocate, nature preschool teacher, coach, speaker, and creator. She works with educators to amplify their vision and expand their ideas of what their teaching practice can be. Known to provoke curiosity and create space to listen deeply, Jenny has worked with the University of Washington, Schlitz Audubon Nature Center, Natural Start Alliance, and the Children in Nature Network. I am very excited to have Jenny with us today to talk about how educators and parents can figure out what feels good for them and to create a vision for outdoor learning. So Jenny, welcome to Happy Outdoor Families.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you for having me, Emily. I'm so, so, so excited that we can talk today.
0: Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. I enjoy following you so much and just seeing a lot of what you share about communication with children and um, I think you just share in a really relatable way how education can happen outside.
1: Yeah and I feel like that's the whole goal that I have is that I just want to help support people and seeing that you know we have this idea of what nature can be but it's not always going to be the same that it feels like for me. It will feel different for you so just Casting a light on that and sharing that is just something that brings me so much joy, and I feel so connected to this space. What you're
0: saying there it kind of leads well into what I think is kind of our first topic that I wanted to bring up, which was starting to figure out what feels good to us as adults when we're thinking about outdoor education and um, taking school out into nature. I think we tend to focus a lot on the child's perspective, especially when you are an educator. Mm -hmm. And in that education setting, our goals are typically related to the kids and what they're learning. Why do you think it's also important to consider our own likes and dislikes as adults?
1: Wow. You see, this question is something I think about all the time and I reflect on so often. And I feel like, so often when we have like our likes, we love those likes. Like we light those likes up. If we're, if we love the mud kitchen, we spend so much time at the mud kitchen. I love mud kitchens. So like I spend money on buying new shovels and new rakes and things that kids can play with in the mud kitchen that I just cater and cultivate that space of like, yes, those are my likes. But with my dislikes, I lock those away in my brain. Like I don't touch them. I'm like, I'm locking this key. You're filed away. I don't want to do anything with you. And so when we do that, we're not getting curious about those dislikes. And we're not learning why we have them locked away. And we don't allow children to maybe explore those dislikes that we have. We're letting children play in the mud kitchen and explore the mud kitchen, but those dislikes are liked away. For me, like I used to hate, and it's weird because I loved climbing trees as a kid, but as an adult, I hate it, or I hate right now. (laughs) I'm learning how to love it, but I hate kids climbing trees. I dislike it. I think it's just something that scared me so much for a long time. And I locked it away in my dislike area and I threw away the key. And this year I've been like reflecting on that dislike and reflecting on why that's coming up for me. And I've been taking that file out of my filing cabinet in my brain and looking at it and asking myself, why is this a dislike? Hmm. Um, And when I get curious about that, I'm learning the reason why it's locked away And the reason why I'm not allowing children or wasn't allowing children to play and climb trees was because I was scared and I felt fear that they were going to get hurt. And I could like visually see in my brain, oh my gosh, they're going to fall out of that tree and they're going to hurt themselves. And I'm sure people can relate to that because that is like my job is to keep them safe. And when I started to unlock that and understand my feelings around my dislikes, I started to open up a lot more and understanding how I could support that in myself and with the kids. Um, So setting up expectations with kids has been a really easy thing for me to do now. Um, And then also thinking about how far they can climb that tree and Mm -hmm. um, communicating that with them as well and saying like, today I'm just learning how to allow you to climb trees So I think it's just beneficial to take that space and time and really think about what you like about outdoor time and what you dislike and why those dislikes are there and how you can turn those dislikes into likes or how you can support children in still exploring that but making yourself feel good along the way.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that is so good. I love that because it's not just – thinking about what I like and I'm just going to lean into that and throw away the rest, but reflecting on that. So you can be aware of that because like you said, that what the children like is not necessarily going to match up with what you like. And another right. example that I think of that I have seen with parents a lot is bugs and your yeah. child might be really excited about bugs. And that might be something that you really strongly dislike about your time outside. And how can you, manage that so that you both have a really enriching experience outside and you still provide opportunities for them even though it's not your favorite thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And how do you go about doing that and still letting children explore those bugs without letting them know that you dislike it? Yeah. (laughs) And that's a hard thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of times we may have not ever really even thought about these -hmm. these things. Like we – we might not really realize that we are locking things away. Like you're talking about taking those dislikes and kind of locking them away and and keeping them away from us. So, if you were coaching an educator, somebody who wanted to start incorporating outdoor learning uh, with their kids, how would you help them kind of figure that out and start to define what things feel good to them and what are what things are more challenging for them outside?
1: Yeah. And that's a huge thing because that's a lot of reflection that and the practice of really journaling and really taking that space to learn about what feels good to you. Um, I think my biggest thing that I have done and what I do with my coaching clients is really have them take some time to write down things that bring them joy. So throughout your day when you're outside with the kids – I do it while I'm in the classroom because I know if I do it at the end of the day, I'm going to be leaning on the things that maybe were harder for me. So if I can do what brings me joy during the day, that opens me up to really be mindful of what I really like to do. So I'll have a journal and a pencil with me. And I'll literally, anytime that I feel my light coming out or anytime I feel like I feel calm or calm. Or happy or just like excited about something I'll write that down and that tells me that I like that and that tells me that that's something I really want to continue to foster Um, and that's one of the ways that I start that process with um, my coaching clients and for myself is taking that space to really think about what feels good to you and it's magical when you take that space because you really start to hear yourself in those voices and the things that you want to cultivate inside of that.
0: I think that self-reflection is really important and can be valuable as you're kind of creating a vision for what your outdoor time is going to be like. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that for a second. So let's say we've taken some time to reflect on these things and and mm-hmm. built a little bit more awareness of what's bringing us joy and what's more challenging for us. And we also have some goals for the children under our care. So maybe we're an educator with a class, or maybe it's even just a parent and thinking about learning we want to do at home with our own kids. What would you say is kind of the next step there? How do we begin to map out more of a vision for what outdoor time is going to be? And especially thinking about that from a place of Educating kids, so we want we we have some goals, things they we want them to learn.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing that I think of when we're talking about vision is the first thing that just like came up in my head was just a photo of myself outside as a kid, and like thinking about how I could create like a fairy village and how much time and energy I took into like thinking about my fairy village and visioning what that could look like and drawing the fairy village and then collecting those things. And I think of that as my childhood memory where my mom was like, who is this child? Like you're such an imaginative kid. You're always like thinking about stuff. And I think about that as my childhood self, as who I am now. And this vision that we can create for our outdoor time is really modeled around what we want it to feel like. And that's really what vision work is, is how do I want to feel in this space? How do I want this space to look? How do I want children to be learning here? And what ways can I support them in their learning? So Mm -hmm. it's taking that time to really ground in your space and sit in the outdoor space, whatever that might be, even if it's just your front yard, your backyard, your city park, your nature center. And really think about what that is and what you can do there and how you can support children outside. And once you start to sit and just watch and play, you might hear your inner child come out and the things that you enjoyed doing as a child. And you might also start hearing things that you want to cultivate with the children that you care for. And it'll open you up into seeing like, oh, we can use stones to count. We can use rocks or we can use um, sticks to like make music with. Yeah. And it really starts to inspire stuff. So taking that space to reflect on what you want to cultivate and then also taking that space to really just sit in that space by yourself, that outdoor time by yourself without children, if that's something you can do. I'd strongly suggest doing that because I see so much value in just being in that space alone, um, and the learning that I have with myself when I'm there.
0: That's great. I I think that I'm like want to go and do that right now. I'm like I want to go sit <laughs> in my yard and just like ponder what could I do with my kids. But when you were talking about the fairy houses that you did when you were a kid, I could already kind of start to. Think about all the different ways that a child would learn from Mm -hmm. doing that. And if you need to kind of define that a little bit, if you're trying to, you know, meet certain benchmarks or requirements or things like how many things can be pulled out of that?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Like you said, just kind of looking around the natural space and starting to realize, oh, there is so much that can happen out here that meets Mm -hmm. so many of those goals in a way that is so enriching and so fun for kids. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So many things and so much to do when we just sit and listen or observe. We can see so much, I don't know, possibilities when we do that.
0: And bonus, a lot of resources that are free for the taking (laughs) when you're
1: outside.
0: (laughs) So true. Yeah. So many loose parts and just so much space to create and learn. So I love that. That's really great. Um, So when we're planning for our outdoor time and then we actually get out there, we're with our kids. What would you say is our role as adults when we are facilitating learning outside?
1: You know, I was thinking about this question a little bit. And I was trying to really think about, yeah, what my role is. And I feel like we have a bunch of roles when we're outside. The first thing that came to mind was like an orchestra, like leader, you know, the person that would like have the sticks (laughs) conducting the conductor and the person that is just like rocking around and kind of holding that space for everybody and thinking what children might need next and really cultivating that. So like if you're seeing children are building in the mud kitchen. And you're noticing they're using spoons and lots of kids are using spoons, but you ran out of spoons. Then thinking in your head, oh, I might want to bring more spoons up next time because all the kids, there's not enough. So it's like that orchestra or that conductor of like just walking around and seeing what, checking in and seeing what's happening. I also think that there's a role of observing and I take that role very seriously. (laughs) I'm like, I'm observing right now Mm -hmm. because I think when I sit back and I watch, I can understand what kind of learning is happening. And I can also think about how I can support and scaffold learning when I observe. I also think another role that we play is an active play partner and sometimes we are involved in the play, especially with young children. Young children sometimes need somebody to be there to help them learn how to play in that back and forth when that communication happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and being there listening to the child instead of trying to change the play, but also just being a play partner as like kind of like the background of the play, not the lead, yeah. but the background person. Um, so I think about those as all of my roles. And I think the most beneficial thing that I can say of my role as outdoors with kids is being there and actively participating myself, um, in either observing nature on my own and modeling what that looks like. And if I'm noticing that I feel. Like, I'm not connecting in a play. If they want me to play a game and I'm just really not having it or I'm not interested at that moment, it's okay to back away because they'll feel that too. And they'll know, like, oh, Jen's really not into this. She says she wants to play with us, but she really doesn't. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So it's really checking in with, like, how am I feeling about this? And do I want to continue this? And just supporting them where they need you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. One apprehension that I've heard about taking learning outside is that kids won't stay close or listen. And in an outdoor environment, it's harder to maintain control. I think about mm-hmm. kind of a traditional school setting. And a lot of times I think kids maybe who haven't had a lot of outdoor learning tend to immediately view outside mm-hmm. time as like time to, to run wild and far which uh, that's a great use of outsour- outside time, but it's not always the only use of outside time. So do you have any advice for how to encourage children to listen and engage while they're outside and not just run wild?
1: hmm hmm I think that the most important thing that we can think about is setting up those expectations ahead of time. Yeah. So, like we said before, we were talking about visioning and we were talking about how we want to hold space here and what we want children to learn. I find so much value in holding space to really think about what outdoor time is going to look like with the child before I go outside with them. And then when we're outside together and we're holding that and we're outdoors playing, I'm going to sit down with them and talk about the expectations straight away. And it's not me saying this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to play here. It's involving them in the conversation. So if I'm at the park with a child and I go to the park with a child that (laughs) likes to run and likes to explore and likes to get going, and we sit down together and I ask them, like, can you tell me what we can do so then we can stay safe here? Oh, we can stay together. Okay, like what does that look like for you? Do we have to be standing close by? Can you be over there by that tree? Or is that too far away? Mm-hmm. So having that conversation and that back and forth so then they can be involved in that problem solving along with me is so beneficial. And I've seen them then take ownership over those expectations. We come up together or come up with together in order for them to explore. I also find setting up boundaries with them so Mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. So talking about like how far they can actually go. So if you don't have trees in your neighborhood or in your neighborhood park, having cones and setting cones up. But I think it's really talking about how you're feeling in those situations when they're not listening and giving them space to understand how you're feeling and then also talk about how together you can listen to one another. Um, Yeah. I find that that is the most tricky thing. And a lot of parents have those kind of conversations with me and it's really just holding space with the child and seeing what feels good.
0: Things go so much more smoothly. I think when you plan ahead when you do like you said setting up the uh, those expectations ahead of time and and even as much as you can involving the kids and in creating those expectations and boundaries can help so much as opposed to kind of going outside and then after you're already there Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to kind of set it up and rein things in
1: (laughs) yeah because at that point it's like you know, you're always balancing control with children. And at that point when you just let them kind of just roll with it and like that running happens, then they have all that control and they're like, yes, this feels so good. And really it's like when we come together and we make a plan together, then we can share that control. You as the adult feel good and the children feel good too because they're heard and seen and understood as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any favorite tools that you use for teaching outside, either things that you like to bring along with you or just things that are easily found outside that you find yourself using a lot?
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, loose parts. Anytime we're on a walk, we pick up anything. Everything and anything is like my favorite thing. I can look at rocks and see something that I can do with them with my play. But I also find the one major thing that I bring with me that children need, I think, is a bag.
0: A bag. (laughs) Because
1: something that they can put all their treasures in. Yeah. Because they like to put them in their pockets and then those pant pockets get so full that the pants come off of them. (laughs) (laughs) So having a bag is something I always bring to gather those loose parts. Um, My favorite ever loose part to find Is maple seeds. And I think that's just because they bring so much joy to me from my childhood. I used to love watching them like spin down. Yeah. So whenever I find those, I'm like, oh, I love them.
0: (laughs) My mother in law made my kids mesh bags, like their nature collection bags. And they're the best because then even if they find (sighs) things that are a little bit wet, they can kind of put it in their bag and it's okay. It kind of dries as we're walking along.
1: Oh, that's a great one. I have never used a mesh bag. I have to find one now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they they are definitely a great tool to have.
1: Oh, i love that.
0: Something that I like to ask, or some version of this question that I like to ask guests on the podcast is, what is your favorite way to spend time outside?
1: You know, there's so many ways I like to be outside, but lately I've been really drawn to water. So anytime I could be close to water and just sitting by water and watching like the waves. I live at in Seattle, so we have the sound right by us. So watching the waves like move in and out and flow in and out is something that mm. I have been finding myself going towards yeah. um, every single day. And even if I'm not inside the water, but sitting next to it has been my favorite way to spend my outdoor time right now.
0: I love that. I always love hearing those answers because I'm, like, ah, it all sounds just so nice. <laughs> just getting that outside time. I love it. Yeah. Well, Jenny, if listeners want to find you and learn more about the resources that you offer, can you tell us where they can go? And also, if you want to take a minute, I would love for you to share a little bit about um, what a resource you have called The Collective. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is if maybe there are educators who are interested in learning more about that.
1: Yeah. So you can find me at Nature Play Lifestyle. Um, I have a website, a YouTube, and an Instagram. And I am offering the collective, like you mentioned. I'm so excited about this. I haven't been this excited about a project that I've worked on in a really long time. I think it's very close to my heart. And the collective is designed to help support educators in connecting with other educators, building a community, and really connecting with yourself and who you are as an educator and how you want to shine your light. It's a six-week course, kind of, I guess. And in the course, we meet together on Zoom and we talk about different things and we process different things. We go outside and have reflection time and then we can come back and talk about that too on Zoom. So, yeah, it's a really cool thing. I wish I would have had it when I was an educator starting off because it is designed to just really reflect on how we want to show up and how we can grow as educators. Well,
0: that's awesome. That sounds like a really great offering. So, I know I have a great time following along with you online and appreciate all the resources that you're creating and all the advice that you have to offer about being outside with kids and helping kids to learn outside.
1: So thank you for all that you do and for being here today on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I just feel so grateful and honored that I can be here. Your podcast is something that I really do look forward to.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I love to hear that. I hope that as you listened to this interview, you are already starting to think about how learning can happen outside for the kids that are under your care. Nature truly is the most perfect classroom, and there are so many ways for kids to learn outside from nature study to math, science, art, reading. All of it can happen outside. So as a quick summary of my big takeaways from this interview, first, take time to reflect on your own feelings about outdoor time and write those things down. Are there things that you love and gravitate toward and are there also other things that you really dislike and how can you approach your time with kids outside in a way that supports them in exploring their own interests even when they differ from yours? For example, if you really hate bugs, how can you approach tiny creatures in a way that still allows kids to follow that interest if they feel differently? As you create a vision of learning outside for your kids, Consider what you want it to feel like, how you want it to look, how you want learning to take place, and how you can support them in learning. Look at your outdoor space and think about what is there that could be incorporated into your lesson plan. What loose parts can be collected or brought along and how can they be used? How do you imagine learning taking place there? Also think about what your role is going to be. Are you going to be a conductor a facilitator, observer, active participant. And lastly, take time to set expectations with kids for their time outside before you ever step out the door, especially if learning outside is new to you and if this group of kids is new to you. Having shared expectations about what is going to happen outside, what your boundaries and limits are, will make the experience better for everyone for all of you that are preparing for a new school year whether as an educator or as a parent i hope that this year is amazing for you and that you can find ways to take your learning outside because i know that you will be able to find so much joy and satisfaction and value in doing that if this is something that you have already been doing in your own classroom or at home I would love to hear about what that has looked like for you and where you have found success. The best way to connect with me is over on Instagram at happy outdoor families, where I love to share a little bit about the podcast and about our life outside. And I would love to hear from you and see what you are doing. If you haven't already left a rating and review of the podcast, would you take a minute and do that now in your podcast app? having those five-star ratings and reviews is the best way to grow a podcast audience and to find those listeners who are interested in the same things that we are. And I thank you so much for your support in doing that. I hope that you have an amazing week, that you're able to soak in all of the fun of these last few weeks of summer and enjoy your outdoor spaces. Until next time, I will see you outside.